Man, I don't know about you, but I love self-reliance. Self-reliance in uh, more than one chapter in my life, more than one facet of my life. I love to be able to create things and consume them under my own steam, be able to fix a vehicle to a certain level under my own steam. How do you feel about that? You know, is it something that you strive towards or do you basically outsource everything? Well, this podcast and my YouTube channel basically addresses self-reliance in more than one avenue. But this particular one we are going to talk about this week is a transition. Transition using a master plan design to go from 100% ornamental landscape to one of more of a blend or, if you choose, a 100% sustainable landscape. Something that uh, will not detract away from the beauty of your landscape. It will certainly add value to your landscape. The balanced blended approach will have just that. It will have a nice balance between ornamental and sustainable. And the maintenance levels. Maintenance levels will not increase dramatically in any way, shape, or form. Hey, you interested? Join me this week as I walk through some steps, choices, and ideas as we make the leap from a landscape that yields nothing harvestable to one that delivers a bounty of fresh goodness and looks good doing it. Time to put on your creative thinking caps for this makeover proposition. Thanks for joining me this week. Let's get rolling. Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me Coach. This channel is about DIY landscape education, landscape concepts and ideas, so you can tackle projects yourself, be more self-reliant, and save a lot of money in the process as opposed to hiring professionals. You know, after a 20 plus year career as a professional in the green industry, I bring with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you, the modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. So many times I hear, many times I have heard, or have read folks wishing about, oh, I wish I could have a garden. I love fresh picked blah, blah, blah. Or I wish I had room for a garden in my yard. I just have a small yard. But alas, many don't ever make the step in the direction it takes to accomplish something like a transitional landscape makeover. One that takes their ornamental landscape and using a master plan and a step-by-step -step process, along with resource allocations and other things that I've talked about, transitions it to a more sustainable, harvestable, producing type of landscape. Wait, coach, hold on a second. You just threw another one at us. What did you say? Uh, a master plan? Yep, that's it. By implementing changes to the yard through the use of a master plan, you can easily make the transition over time using the available dollars that you have, your valuable time, and existing space you already have. This is where a little futuristic thought, a little futuristic planning and creativity gels into a successful landscape makeover, and you end up with a landscape that still rewards, still gives you the beauty that you've always wanted, yet you can harvest something you enjoy throughout the growing season where you live. So how is this accomplished? How does this come about? Well, stay with me, here we go. Hey, but before we do, consider subscribing and downloading this podcast every week. Check out the YouTube channel over there for my mug every Friday afternoon and subscribe to the channel. You know, it takes energy and effort to bring this to you every week. So return the favor with a little thanks and a little commitment. Do that by poking the like button over on YouTube or drop a note here on the podcast and subscribe. I would appreciate it. 
greatly appreciate it. So looking forward to grow that channel. Anyway, in considering a landscape makeover and especially a transition from one theme to another, some diligence on your part is in order. A couple of things to consider right from the get-go, right from the get-go. Those are before removing anything in your existing yard, how will that removal change the landscape exposure and the environment? For instance, take out that birch tree or you take out that hedge of emerald arborvitae or whatever it is. What do you get as a result of that? Sun versus shade environments, calm area versus now it's a hot, windy area. All of this kind of plays in as you transition from one to another. Right now, your landscape is accustomed to the environment that it's in. And by transitioning, you're going to be changing that so that you can introduce some of these more sustainables. So you have to consider, I need at least six or eight hours of sun if you're doing fruit trees or veggies or something along those lines. So consider that before you go ripping anything out. If considering a more sustainable landscape, what will you leave in the ways of your ornamentals and what will come out? What percentage of the landscape area do you want to dedicate to sustainables? Do you want to keep half the ornamental and then half of sustainable? That's something that you have to talk about and you have to think about. What landscape infrastructure will be changed to accommodate a new layout? How may you have to, if at all, change the irrigation system that you might have, the drainage system that you have, any hardscape stuff, uh, decking, uh, hot tub, whatever you happen to have in your landscape, what will have to be moved, what will have to be re removed? Five, would you consider a master plan on your own? I mean, do you have some drawing skills? Do you have some research and due diligence skills? Or maybe, maybe you just might have to source that out to a professional designer like me, then work from that plan over time. As long as you have that designer explain to you what is there and it's just not a, here you go, thank you, give me your dollars and they're gone. Now they're gonna have to explain there, you know, explain what is going to be happening, what's coming out and what's going in. I think almost all of us have the potential to design it out ourselves. We really do. And if you take a little extra time, if you go to the, the nursery near your home and you take a rudimentary plot plan sketch of what you have and where the, the things that you have are right now, and you say, hey, I need your help. I wanna buy the plants here, but I need your help in telling me if I take this birch tree out, what can I put in there in the way of fruit tree? If I take this beech tree out, what can I put in there? How much sun does this need? What can I put around there? And exploit that nursery professional, but also reward them by buying the material there. Don't jip them and then go down to someplace else so you save a few bucks. You know, in order to create the master plan, you're gonna to have to get out there on the road a little bit. You're gonna to have to do some internet search. Like I just mentioned, the nursery visits are a must, and I would probably suggest more than one. Deciding on what sustainables fit you and your family best is a great dinnertime conversation. You know, if it's just you, then you're the captain of your own ship. If you have your significant other and your kids and you want to make this a project that involves everybody, then everybody should have some input. The other thing you have to consider is the size of your yard and then what kind of room do you have to appropriately install some of these fruit trees or vegetables or whatever it's going to take. You know, in the fruit tree world, you have uh, the standard size fruit tree, you have semi-dwarf fruit trees, then you have ultra and genetic dwarf fruit trees. Each one, obviously, and that also applies over to citrus as well. They have standard citrus and true dwarf citrus as well. So 
a standard fruit tree, standard citrus, that's going to take up some room. And you, you have to give that room in order for that tree to be healthy and the other plant material around it to be healthy. The other thing is vegetables and how they can be creatively emphasis on that word, woven into the landscape. Getting creative and using small vegetables like lettuce, carrots, radishes, herbs as borders and beds instead of marigolds and impatiens or whatever you have. The viners and twiners, you know, like if you wanted to grow pumpkins or cantaloupe, watermelon, any of those type of melons and stuff, and you have a hillside that is plantable, man, there, there you go. Use that hillside as long as it's got, you know, six to eight hours of sun. You can use that and it'll cascade down the hillside beautifully. And then when it starts to set fruit, you can go out there and put a little bit of straw under each, each one so you don't have any ground rot or anything. Then there's other things like tomatoes. Tomatoes are a great mid-bed filler if you want to use that, where you can put them in uh, heavy-duty cages and keep them somewhat contained or let them go ass wild. When you get into like cherry tomatoes, they tend to be kind of a viner. So you could do an espalier job mid-bed where you can just grow them and tie them. When you get into cucumbers and some other melons as well, beans and that stuff, you can do uh, arched arbors and have them grow right up over the arbor as part of what used to be a climbing rose or a climbing hydrangea is now something that's gonna give you some pickles from the cucumber plant. You know, where sunny shrubs existed, maybe say a, a six by six shrub or less, your, your location, if it allows, you know, you can put in those true dwarf citrus or semi-dwarf or ultra dwarf fruit trees. So consider that thing. If I take that six by six nine bark out or that six by six pittosporum, I could put in a blah, 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 you know, depending on what zone you're in. You know, for uh, mild visual effects, I can remember this being uh, all the rage back in the late 70s and 80s, is we used artichokes. Artichokes with their dramatic spiky gray foliage, that made a great landscape plant. And then as it matured and started giving artichokes, it was really kind of a unique way of bringing in a sustainable into a, a ornamental landscape. That looked really good. And you can do it with rhubarb too, just a little different effect the big leafy red stemmed rhubarbs look really nice but it all starts with the initiative to convert and a desire to get a little something back from a landscape that always seems to be on the take of both your time and your effort now granted it probably looks great as an ornamental landscape and you've kept it up really nice but if you're going to put that much time into it wouldn't it be nice to go out with your kids or grandkids or spouse or friends you harvest a peach pie for the afternoon and you go in and you take those fresh peaches and make yourself a pie or a crisp or something that's when you know that you're starting to transition and there ain't nothing like take it from coach there ain't nothing like a fresh peach off the tree go in and rinse it off and oh my gosh many fruit nut and citrus trees make fantastic landscape selections they really do and can be treated very much the same as ornamentals with just a few exceptions a little pruning here and there might be required another new skill to acquire heck yeah they can be lit up beautifully at night just like ornamentals i can remember in my old hometown i can remember having a grapefruit tree in the backyard and i would prune that thing up every couple years because it was very happy where it was at and it gave fantastic grapefruits as maestro will attest to and it looked great when i put lights underneath it at night it was a really attractive tree and you can do that with uh True dwarf citrus, you can do that with um, fruit trees as well. They all look really good, just like landscape 
ornamental landscape trees. When Maestro and I were at Weed Patch Ranch, when we took that place over, I was determined to have at least 60 to 70% of the landscape devoted to sustainables. And it worked out really well and blended very nicely with the ornamentals that were present. In hindsight, I guess, you know, it's always 2020. In hindsight, I made the mistake of underestimating the volume of harvest though. In some cases, like my plum trees, that was, that was okay, that was fine. But I still had a lot of drop that I never was able to eat and consume. Same thing with peaches and nectarines. I had too many for just two people. And so we became very adept. I shouldn't say we. I say Maestro did, became very adept at canning and baking and dehydrating and using a lot of the, the, the harvest in daily, nightly type of cooking. And then the olive orchard that we had, oh my God, we had olive oil for days and we gave olive oil away by the gallons as Christmas gifts. And when we traveled back then part-time, we took the oil and the harvest with us and gave it away to family and friends as we traveled. So yeah, it was... It was a neat reward for having uh, a landscape that was blended nicely with ornamental and sustainable. Now that we're empty nesters, but we did involve, when we were there, we did involve young grandkids in the planting and harvesting at times. Uh, just sampling this bounty, oh my gosh. You know, you, you take a granddaughter out there and you introduce her to a fresh blackberry or a blueberry or a peach, a cherry, whatever. And you can just see their faces light up. It's a great, healthy way to expose them to that. And that that's, a, no pun intended, that's a seed that gets planted. And it's a memory that it's created, not only for you, but for that child as well, later on down the road. Do you remember when grandpa, do you remember when grandma? Yep, it'll happen. Hey, let's review just a little bit. So number one, planning and research is key at least a little bit at first. Go out there and decide how much room you have and then plan accordingly. So if you're gonna be removing stuff, then you're gonna replace it with something of similar size. Select your sustainable choices that fit for you and yours. If you're not into standard fruit trees, try genetic dwarf. If you're not into genetic dwarf fruit trees, you just want herbs, then plant yourself a, an herb garden blended into the ornamental landscape. Number three, Create or have created, and this is key, a master plan to follow. One that if you have all the time and resources to throw at it, you can get on it and finish it up. But if not, you can pick your way through it as your time and resources allow. It's a fantastic tool. It is something that I did for folks for 20 years, was creating a master plan. It is not only what they followed if they decided to do it themselves, but also it's what I followed off of my own designs when I would take out and put in new landscapes for folks. Number four, be patient and transition at your pace, not anybody else's. And then make sure you do it right the first time so that you're not wasting money and wasting your time. You follow the plan and it works. Number five, allow time and probably a season or two and then sit back and Wow, enjoy the bounty. Enjoy the bounty every year. It may be from the trees, it may be from the ground, it may be from simple containers that you've introduced that you can now start harvesting. Number six and finally, sharpen your skills and broaden your horizons and your vision and allow the sustainables to blend into your ornamentals to your desired percentage. It is a landscape trend that not unlike people who go buy a boat or an RV, they get something small to start with, and then soon they find, oh, I want something bigger, I want something better. And that's when the percentages of your landscape 
may transition more and more and more to something useful and harvestable. You know, the first time you pick a fresh cherry where an ornamental tree used to be, or a peach or an apple, whatever, it will remind you of the good decision you made for your property, for your landscape and your family's enjoyment and journey, and also the value of your property as well. Everybody has ornamental landscapes, but remember that house on Elm Street? It had such a beautiful blend of, you know, fruit trees and citrus and ornamentals. It was just, we could always have a little something. People will remember that if you ever throw your house on the market. As always, everybody, as always, I'm here to help. If you are of a mind, consider supporting us here a little bit by checking out the website for the book and the digital course. There's only a few days left as far as the Zoom consultation with the purchase of the book and a purchase of the course. One 15-minute one for the book, three 15-minute ones for the purchase of the course. It just doesn't get any better. Hey, I am so happy you stuck with me to the end. I really appreciate it. Catch you over there on YouTube this week. And as always, to your landscape success. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.